It is Locked on Jazz for the 26th of January. Same old Utah Jazz. They're doing it again. Lots of wins, all-stars, and fun. We'll talk about that. The good of what's to come. Who do we want on Detroit, Indiana, and Miami? We'll look at all those. Plus, what do the numbers say about the playoff picture? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. Thanks so much for tuning in and making Locked on Jazz your first listen every single day. We are free and available for you on all platforms, including YouTube, where we come to you live each day. You can subscribe on YouTube. And push the little button and hit the bell and it will notify you whenever anything comes up. Glad to have you aboard. Good morning to Keith and Forrest and Bryce and Jeremy and Jay Lap and Jace and Mr. Kinch. Glad to have you all available. Uh, and with us early this morning on a Wednesday? Jazz Suns tonight. I think it's an 8 o'clock start. At least I hope it is. That's what I'm planning on. A um, few things I wanted to touch on today. Uh, Rudy's out. I, as I kind of have been suspecting, no one's asked a lot of questions about it yet. Um, but calf strain's usually a week or two. Um, so I think wins could be hard to come by here for a little while. I also think this could be great. The fact of the matter is when, when we look at what it is, we have to figure out how to do as a basketball team to get better for the playoffs. One is how to be better defensively when teams try to remove Rudy from the middle. It's not just remove Rudy from the game, but what teams have done to us over, you know, the last period of time is that they try to play five out. They drive on us because they don't run a lot of picks. They don't do a lot of stuff. They try to drive on us because of the fact that we're, our guys can't, aren't great at guarding and they're, and then Rudy's not in the middle. And so everything the jazz have predicated, everything they do on is trying to see how do they get Rudy to stay near the middle. And there's new rotations they're doing and all sorts of stuff like that. Okay, that's great. But the bottom line on this, in more than anything else, is the fact of the matter is that you are going to have to get better at defending your own guys, your own space, without Rudy Gobert behind you. Because teams can scheme to make it difficult for Rudy Gobert and most really good teams have enough personnel. Uh, the one who might really not is Phoenix, frankly. Other than, you know, if they're, they're trying to play without Dario Sarge and Frank Kaminsky both hurt, it's a little bit of a stretch for them to play a, a big five, right? Or a stretch five. But if we see Minnesota in the first round, that's Carl Anthony Towns. Or, you know, we would probably guard have Vanderbilt guard Rudy guard Vanderbilt. But you get the idea. Everyone, everyone is going to move Rudy to some extent. And when you look at the players in the NBA whose teams are affected most by defensive presence, Rudy's right up there. You know, 
Um, of the other guys, you know, Rudy, guys who played a, a 900 possessions, George Hill in Milwaukee, for whatever weird reason, is up there. Jokic, amazingly, and why he should be the MVP is there. Yusuf Nurkic is there, amazingly, telling you how bad the backup center in Portland is. It's always a little bit of a misleading number of whether it's because your guy's so good or because of what. And then Rudy, really, of guys who've played the most minutes. Emmanuel quickly is there kind of in that group also, and so is Kendrick Williams in Oklahoma City, um, who's actually be kind of an interesting pickup at the trade deadline, just a note there. Um, he's, you know, 27 years old and, they are way better defensively when he's on the floor and he's super athletic um, and plays really hard. Uh, but so we all know this about Rudy. This is like, this is not a grand mystery to us, right? We kind of are aware of what happens when Rudy goes on and off the floor. Well, we're about to play some of the best teams in the NBA with, you know, without Rudy. Phoenix, John Morant driving the basket, Minnesota with Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, who had 40 last night, then Denver. And maybe Brooklyn. Like I think there's a real chance we're not seeing Rudy in, until we, you know, some time there. It'd be nice to have Don, um, certainly. And then the other side is it: how do we do when we can't run our pick and roll offensively, and when we can't put pressure on the rim? Um, that's really the next thing. So from a defensive standpoint, the number one thing we have to get better at as a team is to guard our yard and handle the fact that we're playing without Rudy. And then number two is offensively, when people switch, how do we keep the ball moving? How do we stay active? How do we still penetrate, kick, get the blender going? We're getting better at those kind of things. So this is going to be probably brutal. Like, I don't know when we win again. But from a standpoint of what is important, which is, you know, trying to be better at game 70 in 75, this could be fabulous. Um, this is about as difficult as it gets. It's a little bit of like dropping your kids in the deep end of a really cold pool and saying like swim. And hopefully it's not like a Minnesota lake and it's like you broke the ice and now you're going to drown. Um, and I don't know that our group has the mental makeup for a lot of losses. So I think that's going to be maybe the most difficult thing is how does the group get through, you know, if we really do lose five or next six, six of our next six, something of that nature like, how does our group get through that? Um, having already lost, what, eight of 10. So I think that's, you know, th- that actually has me the most concerned of whether this group has the fortitude to be able to get through it without some problems. Um, but I think from a learning standpoint and a getting better at the end standpoint, not a harder way to do this. Let's go play the best teams in the league without the best defensive player in the world and see if we can get better at this. Um, and, you know, I thought Quinn made an interesting point the other day about some of what we're seeing right now, which is there's no way to find this out unless things have guys have gotten hurt or things have gone wrong. And we points, but like he's not playing Rudy any less than 36 any, every night. He's not playing Donovan less than 36 every night. And Jordan and Joe, you know, were six men of the year last year. And, you know, until you decide that one of them's not one of your guys anymore, and I understand they're both not playing as well as they did last year, they're both playing 26. And you just run out of minutes. And Rudy Gay's got to play 20 to 26. And you just run out of minutes. You're not going to just suddenly decide, hey, Rudy, by the way, we're going to work on things. You're going to play 24 tonight. Like, he's not going for that. And so we're forced into a hellacious learning experience where we can either fold or come out way better. It, it, it might not be pleasant. 
So that gets to the second thing, which is like, what? so what do the numbers say right now? And they're going to get worse. This is going to get worse because we're going to lose, I think, a lot over the next six games. But, you know, as we kind of look at like the playoffs and where we sit. And so if you look at the, right now, projected records in the West, the Suns are at 61, the Warriors are at 55, the Grizzlies are at 52 and so are the Jazz. The next is the Mavericks at 48. And I think, think they got hammered last night if i'm remembering correctly uh by the warriors 130 to 92 so there goes that defense um last night was funky in the nba then you have the nuggets at 46 okay i mean i guess we could get to 46 it's possible we're gonna lose a lot here coming up um and then you have the timberwolves at 43 So if you look at the West, they have the suns one the warriors two the grizzlies three the jazz four the mavericks six the nuggets Mavericks five, Nuggets six at 46. 43, 44, according to 538, is like our threshold. So if we can just stay out of seven, it's kind of, the, as we learn all these things, it's it's not a massively different thing. In fact, there could be a real argument that, you know, playing six versus three and then verse two and then getting one is a better way to go than being five, four, playing a, you know, four and three might be inconsequentially different. And then, playing one versus two in the next round. Now that also could change, um, you know, chance of making the finals somehow we're still at the bucks are at 40%. The Suns are at 32. The jazz are at 24 chance of winning. The bucks are at 24. The Suns are at 13, 18 and the jazz are at 13. I'm going to touch on that in a second, but just kind of, as we go through this and you're going through the learning process and you, you don't get the thrill of the win every night and you get grumpy, like, okay, well the number is 44 according to basketball. Reference like that's that's the number according against five three according to basketball reference Suns at sixty two, Warriors at fifty eight, Jazz at fifty two, Grizzlies at fifty two. I, th- I think we know that fifty two is not going to probably happen. Dallas is forty seven, Nuggets are at forty four, and Wolves again are at forty two. So the number is forty three again. Okay, so forty three wins. Four, let's call it forty four. So we need to go four. We need to win fourteen games the rest of the season to make sure that we stay out of. Six through nine. It's basically what they're saying. It, and, you know, 44 and 38, I believe, is the number. So we need to go 14 and 20 the rest of the way. We lose the next six, and then we got to play 500 ball to stay out of six. Stay out of seven. We can go through a learning process. Now, I need a moment with maybe not you, but some Jazz fan. I need a moment with you. We can't play this game both ways and just be a bunch of gripers. I'll explain that in a second. Today's show, speaking of non-gripers and just great, awesome people, is brought to you by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter's our own personal loan officer. He does amazing work. Few things make me as excited as when someone says, hey, I need a loan, and I get to send them to Steve Carter because Steve Carter is just simply the best. He makes sure that everyone gets treated well. He's highly responsive. He gets out there. I know he was working with Riker recently. I'm going to have to check out and see what happened with that one. Um, As I know, the two of them um, got caught up. Um, I had blown that one, actually. Riker had emailed me, and I didn't respond. And then Riker was too nice, and he didn't respond back. Like, if I screw up, email me again. Like, dude, I want to see Steve Gardner send me. So I screwed it up. Um, But usually what ends up happening is we get things like – 
from Kaysville. We worked with Steve three times now. I have to say he's the best. His team will work tirelessly to find the best rate to reduce stress and make the process as simple as possible. Without question, Steve is the best there is. From Kirk Hubbard, working with Mr. Carter was by far the easiest I've had with respect to my home from start to finish. I was three weeks with my refi all through the process. I was kept advised on the status, accurate expectations. We provide a very frequent basis. At all times, I knew where I was and what to expect. I highly recommend Intercap Lending and specifically Steve Carter. He's our own personal loan officer. You get the corporate rate. You can call Steve at 385-885-28. You can email me, and I won't screw it up, I don't think, at dlock09 at gmail.com. That's dlock09 at gmail.com. And you can, and I'll set you up with a personal meeting with Steve. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercap.com. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. The easiest, best, fastest, most fun DFS game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop operator and offers all superstar players as well as bench players, only recording a handful of minutes each game. Who's going to get all the touches? Because no Donovan and no Rudy tonight against the Phoenix Suns. Can you profit off that? Prize Picks offers any prop you can think of from points. This rebounds, threes made, etc. You pick two to five players, an over-under on the projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. And this is so great. Prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all users. $50 for free if a player in your first prize pick entry scores a single point. You must use the promo code NBA. That's right. Exclusive offer. You, the lockdown listener, use the exclusive code NBA. B A. Thank you very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen. We've got some awesome stuff coming up on the Locked On Podcast Network, namely the NBA Trade Deadline Show is coming. We will be live on Trade Deadline Day, hosted by all the best of our network. Anchor Kim Becker uh, is going to be on the uh, leading the show, and then John Corrales and Josh Lloyd, and all the best. So make sure you get ready for that. It'll be live on our Lockdown NBA YouTube channel if you've not subscribed already. Um, by the way, last night was just totally crazy. So Joel Embiid scored more points and minutes played for the fourth straight game, 42 and 33. He's insane right now. Um, Denver beat Detroit, nothing insane there, except for Jokic had 28 points, 21 rebounds, and nine assists. 28, 21, and nine. Charlotte is struggling enough that I think it could impact their trade deadline, which is kind of worth keeping an eye on. Gordon Hayward did not play last night. Um, It's worth keeping an eye on. Um, The Clippers were down a million. The second biggest comeback in the history of the NBA, Jazz Nuggets still holds the record. As a lineup of Terrence Mann, Nicholas Batum, they actually closed with Scrubs, Winslow, Kennard, Coffee, and Mann, and they came back to beat Washington. 116-115. Sacramento lost by 50. The Lakers won in Brooklyn with all the weird James Harden stuff going on. There was no Durant, no Kyrie Irving, and uh, Harden had 33-12-11, and but a good win for the Lakers. Anthony Davis back with 25. Crazy night. Lockdown now will be great on this. Spurs blew out Houston. Dallas wins. Golden State wins by 30, and then Minnesota got a much-needed win. All right. Can we – I don't know which of you – not speaking to everyone. Speaking to some of you. Same old Utah Jazz, just going to disappoint again. That's pretty big bull crap. So we have a chance to win the title. We had a chance to win the title last year. Probably won't. Like, that's the reality. You just usually probably won't. 
when I hear people talk about same old Utah Jazz, they disappoint. Like if you have a friend that says that, you should punch him in the face. Nicely and lovingly, of course. But like same old Utah Jazz. So what is it that since 2016-17, you've had the second most amount of wins of any franchise in all of the NBA? Is 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 that the same old Utah Jazz? That is that the problem? Or is it that since the 17-18 season, you, you've had the second most amount of wins of any team in the NBA other than the Milwaukee Bucks? Is that not good enough? Or is it that since the 18-19 season, you have the second most amount of wins of any team in the NBA other than the Milwaukee Bucks? It, is, is that it? Is it the... Or is it that you've had an all-star, two all-stars, or three, like last year, every single year that you get to watch? Or is it that since last year, you have the second best record of any team in the NBA, uh, anybody other than the Phoenix Suns? Like, seriously. You can't sit around here. Like, I guess you can. You can do whatever you want. It's garbage, in my opinion, to sit around and be like, same old Utah Jazz, they just disappoint. You want same, same old Sacramento Kings, they disappoint. Same old Minnesota Timberwolves, they disappoint. This is one of the winningest franchises in all of the NBA. And if on one level we're going to like freak out on a nightly basis anytime we lose a game and clearly have our self-worth be based on whether our basketball team wins or loses a game in the regular season, we've had more wins than any team other than the Milwaukee Bucks since 2016-17. So you've had more nights of exaltation and thrill of winning than any other team in the entire league other than the Milwaukee Bucks. If you're looking for quality performance night in and night out, you've had as good a quality performance as any team in all of the NBA for the last seven years. You went through a franchise that had a one-year rebuild and then Gordon Hayward emerged into star and then he screwed you and left and you got another star and Rudy Gobert held the whole thing together and Quinn Snyder and his staff are masterful. And... We're going to go with the same old Utah Jazz? What is that? The same? Somebody says that to you. Punch him in the face. Lovingly and caringly and softly, of course. But punch him in the face. Whatever literal or figuratively manner. And point out, same old Utah Jazz is wins, all-stars, and fun. And quality. That's what it is. Every night. Every night. Now, can we get demented by our standards? And now, if you if you want to play this game as a fan, that your only value in life is if you win a championship, great. Fine, stupid, but great. Unattainable, ninety percent of the time, and strange to me actually. From my opinion, I would love a championship. It'd be great. I mean, I'd lose it. It'd be incredible. It would be amazing for the fan base that's cared that much. It would be great to watch our city be like Milwaukee and have, like the coolest thing to me about Milwaukee was to watch them have their deer world or whatever it was called outside their arena. Um, the fact is that, so that would be amazing. To me, this is like a journey from October through hopefully June. And the journey is 
this entertainment piece. It's a sitcom to some extent to me, like The Office or Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's not as good as Brooklyn Nine-Nine, frankly. Like Brooklyn Nine-Nine is actually way better because um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is just way better than anything. Or like MASH if you're old or um, Andy Griffith Show if you're really old um, or Good Place if you're more current. And we just go on this journey um, and we enjoy it. That's the concept. And we learn and we have fun and we watch the players develop. We watch Donovan get better. We watch Rudy get better. And we watch Joe. Like right now watching Joe's, like it's hard. Like, is he disengaged? Is his body failing him? Is he getting old? Is he just off? Like, what is it? Part of the process. But we also watch Joe come from scared Australian player who got released, who had to meet his wife at the airport and say, hey, actually, you know, I know he came out here to be here for me and the Clippers, but actually by while when you were in the air, I got released and I actually don't have a job. So we can go to a little vacation here in the U S but I actually don't have a job. And then the jazz call him and he talks openly. Oh, I wouldn't want to shoot. Cause I didn't want to ever make a mistake. And then he emerges into like basically six man of the year last year and into one of the most valuable players in the league. And then he gets his bronze medal. And we watch him raise a kid and he gets a kid with autism. We see the whole journey and we get to be a part of it. And now we're watching him. Like, is he going to be able to hold on? Like, is he just off? Is the body totally failing? Is the mind failing? He's human. Like, it's pretty amazing. Pretty great. Same old Utah Jazz. High-quality people, lots of wins, ton of all-stars, super fun, amazing product every night. Same old Utah Jazz. Right. It'd be great if we won a championship. The franchise is committed to doing it, but you just don't win fran. Like, was it, if Milwaukee, if Kevin Durant's foot was on the line last night, last year, and Brooklyn wins that game. Has Milwaukee's last like four years of 60 wins a year like not worth anything? To me, I can't go there. If that's where you are, that's where you are. Then you, but that's you, not the franchise. Your standard as a fan is championship only. I won't accept anything else. I don't enjoy anything else. Okay. Like you're not going to enjoy a meal unless you're at the French Laundry. But you know what? There's a value to Domino's every now and then. So could we have won more? Sure. Should we have beat Denver up 3-1? Yeah, that'd be great. It would have been great to have another. Was I like up 20 in game six against the Clippers, turned around, boom, was like, oh my gosh, I've never called a conference finals. This is going to be amazing. And then we fell apart. Is it a total bummer? Yeah, because you care and you love and it matters. But same old Utah Jazz, like as though they're like a toxic, like allergen in your food? Stop. Stop. Would it be great to win a championship? Sure. Is it almost impossible to win a championship in like the really small market without being like, there's three ways to acquire players, right? Draft, free agency, and trade. Like we don't have one of them. And we kind of don't always have the trade because if you trade someone late in their contract, we might not get them back. Pretty hard. Have an owner willing to spend the money. So... That's a step. Trying to change the brand of who we are, that's a step. Head coach who people want to play for, that's a step. Still pretty hard. So we're going to lose, I think, six straight. We're going to have lost 14 of 16. Like, it's not going to be great. I don't know we'll really lose six straight. We could. If we didn't play six, we could lose. But it's part of this game. And this year is interesting to me because – if the expectation and only expectation is that of a championship, then you can't complain about the six-game losing streak because this is all going to make us better toward that. 
you know, hey, a parade would be amazing for, right. Buying more merchandise with championship on it would be incredible. Watching the hard work of the players and the coaches and the ownership and the management come together in the front row seat, overwhelming, overwhelming, but not the only value. That's my point. So that when I hear this idea of same old Utah Jazz, ugh, got a hard time with that one. Because what to me the same old Utah Jazz are is all those wins. And walking into the arena and following your team on an 82 night basis, which if you're listening to the show, you really probably pay attention every day, which is incredible. You spend like 200 hours watching this team and you listen to this podcast every day. And gosh forbid, if you actually listen to it every day and you make us your first listen every day, which I'm so thankful of, you literally are spending like eight hours a week with me and you're spending like a crazy, I'm doing the math in my head really fast right now, 30 hours a month with me. It's a crazy number. Because you care about the team, so enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. We get there? Maybe this is here. We get there with all sorts of tumultuous stuff along the way. Who knows? The exaltation of winning is great. It'd be incredible. Uh, we'll do our little game of do we have anyone we want, but today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. What does Built Bar have up for this sleeve right now? Factory second sale. All bars, all bars that are discontinued are available right now. Um, that's kind of a fun little factory seconds. Oh, no, no, that's kind of fun. Like what? Oh, I'm shopping. I'm, I hit that right now. Um, oh, <laughs> excuse me. Including, wow, that was weird. Uh, coconut brownie chunk factory seconds. I'm like allergic to my house. I literally have allergies in my house and nowhere else right now. Uh, Built Bar's churro, coconut marshmallow puffs. The puffs are amazing. Coconut brownie chunk is incredible. Uh, promo code LOCK15 gets you 15% off and um, gets you rolling. And then the factory seconds get you cheaper prices if you want to do that. That's all at Built Bar right now. Um, fabulous. All the macros are amazing. I think we've told you about them before, but if you are new to the show and wondering what this crazy guy you're listening to is, uh, here's the deal on Built Bars. They taste like a candy bar. They literally do. Like I eat that coconut brownie chunk like it's a candy bar in the middle of the morning. And it's only 130 calories, 2.5 fat grams, four sugars, 17 grams of protein. And then it's like, but it's like having a candy bar in the middle of the day. Pretty great. Uh, check it out, builtbar.com, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Um. Might want to get that. Let's see. What is this? Uh, all right. So anyway, um, there's a bunch of talk in the chat room. But I'm not, probably not going to be able to get to it. Um, the other one I would just kind of point out before we like go through. I, I just think, you know, Rudy's out for a little while and we're going to learn. We're going to get better. One other thing I would kind of point out to everyone. Um, and this is seasons just weird that someone dropped an atomic bomb uh, called COVID on this NBA season. And it, it just has blown it up. I just don't have any idea <clears throat> how to evaluate it. I always say, that, you know, the first 20 games or so is the better reference point than any other. We were 13 and seven, then we were 19 and seven. And then, you know, we we're 20 and seven. And then we started to get hit by things. And then we went to 26 and nine and, and then we got hit by COVID. But so did everybody else. So I, I don't know how you compare it. Um, and, and, you know, and should we probably have won, you know, beat the Warriors when they didn't have Draymond? Sure. Uh, you know, it would be nice to have some big wins in our back belt. Um, you know, yeah, sure. That'd be great. Um, 
But I think um, at this point, you can't do anything about it. All right, let's go play our game. Who are we up to? We're up to Detroit. Since Jeremy Grant's the big talk. So first question on Jeremy Grant that I have for everybody is, oh, I always like to share the screen, right? Um, the first thing I have about Jeremy Grant is, does he actually, and this is now media uh, conjecture, and I, I don't actually have any idea what's true. You know, does Jeremy Grant really want to come play and not be the primary offensive option? Okay, so that's the first one. Second thing is, Jeremy Grant is shooting 35% from three for his career, 34.6, and 33% this year. So what Jeremy Grant really has become, like, I, to me, Jeremy Grant went to Detroit, who's a bad team, and went from taking nine shots a night to taking 17, and he started scoring 20 points a game. He actually, to me, didn't get that much better. He just started showing he could shoot a lot and be the number one guy on a bad team. So for for 78 games, he proved that he could play 33 minutes, take 17 shots, which is actually a talent. Like, I don't want to dismiss that. And score 20 points a game, not particularly efficiently. Or Well, if you trade for him, you're actually getting the player who played in Denver and Oklahoma City who scored like 13 points a game, which is fine. He shot 39% from three each of those two years as a catch-and-shoot guy and 48%. And that's pretty good. And he's, you know, and he's 6'8", 210, and he fits all of the – metrics and he probably can make a play now he's learned how to do that if he needs to so there's a lot of great things to him the pistons want two first round draft picks we don't have two first round draft picks um unless they think jared butler is one of those first two round draft picks and then you're giving up jared butler in a first round draft pick and then for his 20 million contract you're probably i don't you know you'd have to piece it together our our numbers are uh, on what it takes to get, I don't want to play that game, but you guys can figure that out. You can look at our numbers and try to get there. Um, but the, the draft picks is the really, the big issue. Grant would be neat. Like who's he playing in front instead of, right? I guess is the first question. And then, so if he's playing in front of Roy, if he's playing instead of Royce in your mind, then the question I would have for you on that is where are those shots coming from? Because Royce is not taking those. Royce is taking five and Jeremy Grant's not going to want to go back to his, is Jeremy Grant's probably not going to want to go back to his nine or 10 that he had in Oklahoma city. He's going to want to be a lot closer to his 16 or 17. He had in Detroit. So where are 10 shots coming from? Now, if you're not playing Jordan anymore and you move Jordan in the deal, then that probably that can, that could do it. I don't, I don't know if you can do that, but if that's your move there, those are your shots. So Jeremy Grant's certainly one that a lot of people are interested in. Kelly Olenek has two years left and didn't look like he was moving. Right. But I've always thought he'd be really interesting on our team. Um, Diallo, I doubt they would move. He's got a year left at 5 million and I'm not sure he gets on the court for us. Like that's actually part of it. Rodney Magruder sure was good against us the other day. He's a one-year minimum, probably someone to look at for the future filling out our roster. He's, he's been kind of intermittently good. He was super good against us and he's six, it's a little small, six, four, two Oh five He's a lifetime, 34.5% three point shooter. This year in 13 minutes a game, he was shooting 40, if I remember correctly. Um, and he's on fire recently, so it's probably a little misleading. But um, he was int- he's kind of been bouncing around. He's now 30 uh, and kind of understands the game. It would be, to me, kind of a good end-of-bench player at some point in time. Probably not a trade deadline pickup. Indiana's a team that's going to make moves. Um, Sabonis and Turner have talked about. Turner is now out. 
I actually am a little intrigued with the whole Miles Turner idea with Rudy Gobert, second rim defender, can stretch the floor, shoot the three, um, start him, be super big like Cleveland to start, and then have Turner sneak enough minutes out as the backup that he's playing. He's playing 29 a night in um, in Indiana. I, I, now, the thing on Turner is – there's a little bit of he's actually a 34% three-point shooter. He's actually not as good a shooter. He's a little slow. Something weird's going on with him. Last year when he was on the floor without Sabonis, they were a brilliant defensive team. This year when he's on the floor without Sabonis, they're an awful defensive team. So I would want to have had someone in my front office who's literally really watched him every game all year and figure out if there's something going on with his movement. Um, he had a bad gait coming out of college out of Texas, and people were really worried about that aspect of him. And so teams were, that's why he was a little sour on him. And now he has a foot problem and a leg problem. I really would have to know whether or not um, he's right uh, before you made that. But I'm a little intrigued with that with a one-year deal. I don't know what how you move 18 and how many picks you'd have to give up to do it, but that's an interesting concept at least to me um i don't think they'd move tj warren and jeremy lamb but they're both free agents at the end of the year tj mcconnell is i think hurt though i saw him on health and safety but i thought he was out for the year um and then there's tory craig who's got four million left one year everybody always wants tory craig um you know he was good in phoenix last year phoenix has done a masterful job of having guys get in their system and be good but that's a career 33 percent three-point shooter so the question you know that's really you have a non-shooter on the floor now um, and you know, what are you going to do? How are you playing with a non-shooter on the floor? He did a nice job last year in India in Phoenix for those 32 games after doing nothing in Milwaukee and in Denver, he was fine, but he was 29, 32, 32% three-point shooter. And now back in Indiana without Chris Paul, he's back to 32.7% three-point shooter. So I think though, I think you have to be a little careful, um, on what you expect there. And our final team to look at today is Miami. I don't know, you know, hard to do a trade with another team is trying to Compete. We're not getting Jimmy. We're not getting Bam. We're not getting Kyle. We're not getting Duncan Robinson. PJ Tucker, I, I would assume they still are interested in having. They signed him to a two year deal in the offseason. Um, he's playing 28 minutes a night. He's shooting 46% from three. Um, so that's a pretty great $7 million signing by Miami. Tyler Hero, they're not going to move, and none of the guys on the end of the bench. So I don't think this is a team. Um, and they did a great, you know, minimum salary pickup in, in Marcus Morris. Uh, Markeith Morris has been, um, you know, has not led them. He's played 10 games all year, but that's a great pickup because he can, he can really play still, um, on the back end of the bench there. So they, they do not think that they have a guy, uh, for us. All right. We're through over half of the Eastern conference, Milwaukee, New York, and Orlando Thursday, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Washington Friday. And we'll have the whole Eastern conference done in our little game of do they have anyone we want? Thanks for tuning in today. Have a great one. Talk to you soon.